So why don't we welcome, stand to our feet and welcome Pastor Greg as he comes this morning to share what's on his heart. Thanks, Greg. Come on. Thank you, Pastor Bruce. Wonderful. I'll cut it out. Sit down. Thank you very much. And thank you very much. Ben, again, you never let me down. I mean, look at that. If I could only do something like that. But anyway, you may be seated. Great job, guys, and thank you very much. So let's put our hands together one more time. And Bruce, you're all so kind. You're very kind. And uh, Bruce and I have a great relationship because our wives are called Julie and are very similar. They call a spade a spade. Um, so we understand each other, which is great. And one thing, like Bruce, 1995, right? Came on board, sort of. Um, we're part of the Uniting Church. And, and one thing I've always admired with Bruce, he's a great thinker. And he, uh, again, theologically has a really good grip, but an inquisitive mind. Because when you talk about the Word of God and theology and everything like that, you never know everything. You really don't, you know. And I'd like to think after all these years, you know a lot more than you did at the beginning. But the reality is there's so much more in the Word of God that we have to deliberately intentionally dive in ourselves and I think that's an important part but always great being here and, and as Bruce has said you know like we we partner in our relationship together it's not whether this person is over that person or or has this relationship to me we we do life together and that's how family should operate as well and we're able to converse and discuss with each other and I think that the house of God, while it's called the family of God, while the church is called a community, is because it should act like that and also see the great value alongside you. Today, I hope this word will bless you. I know Pastor Bruce and Julie are wonderful people who have taken this church forward, which is great. And, you know, like I look at, you know, John, I mean, you know, like he's model material, that guy, isn't he? I mean, John, I like, you know, Pastor John and Pastor M. I mean, honestly, but I have to remind you, John, you did marry up. Just to remind you, you did marry up, buddy. Just to get it clear, you know. So you're very fortunate. All those years of prayer paid off. So that's great. And always good to see my younger brother. I love when my family comes to church. My, my younger brother, Les, come to church. And it's good that he's, he's always there supporting me. My older brother too. Thanks, buddy. You know, love, you know, just to see the family turn up. I feel really encouraged by that. And... But for my younger brother, you know, who's faithful, and, you know, I just felt this this morning, Liz, when we just briefly said hello. I really felt that smile of the Lord on you. And it was like the Lord's simply saying to you, thank you for being you and all the things you've been through, but thank you. And it is never lose sight of that simple picture of the Lord smiling with thankfulness for who you are and what you have done. But also, Liz, you did marry up too. So just to remind you, put everything in perspective. Let's put everything in perspective here. And the other part is that, I guess, you know, across the church life is that church is a place, it's not a place to come to be, to be endured. Better go and do my penance on Sunday. <laughs> Better rock up. It's a place to be enjoyed. And to me, the day the smile and the laughter leaves the house of God is a very sad day. Because it should never be that way. It should be a place where people come, they find community, they enjoy learning about each other and being together, but also too can smile and have a laugh about the good, the bad and the ugly. Now, the last comment there, Bruce, wasn't directed at you. The good, the challenging, and I'll take the, the last part of that statement. 
But this morning, I want to talk to you, and I'm going to be reading from a verse of Scripture which comes out of Hebrews, but I want to walk through a story, and it's the, the story of Paul's travel. He's, it's really his third missionary journey, but it started out to be just a journey, but he'd been um, held in uh, captivity by the, the Jews and wanted him tried before um, the local governor and basically executed and, and removed because they saw him as a threat to their religion. Anyway, we'll walk through that later, but it's a great story because it's a story of challenge and struggle. But let me read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. It says there, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunners, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. Where our forerunner, the hope we have is that Jesus can and is an anchor to our souls in times of challenge. And who today, you know, who could I, could I ask you, who has enjoyed the last two years? Anyone here? Hey, yeah, man, what a great couple of years. Not one. I, oh, maybe, oh, just a couple, you know, yeah, oh, maybe, oh, yeah. Because you're thinking, should I respond? He's asking that. How should I respond? But being real in that situation, and, and uh, a friend of mine who... Is a psychologist and he works it. He said, you know, COVID in itself will make or break people. He said, we're talking about relationships. It'll either strengthen what you had or the fractures and the cracks in it will be highlighted and heightened. And that is so true in so many situations. But the beauty of this, and again, I guess I want to encourage you today, storms are there with purpose. When storms come, there's a purpose behind. When challenges come, there's a purpose behind it. But we never see, and it's not God orchestrated, it's life. That's just stuff happens, correct? Any stuff happened to anybody recently? Most of us say, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, of course we can. But in there, today I really just want to say, look, in what we've been through is probably a preparation. And, and Pastor Bruce and Julie and, and the team probably were well in front of me. It took me about a year to catch up when we talk about a reset but to me, it's like a, a preparation for something far greater. It's not just a return to where we are. And I'm not just talking about church world. I'm talking about your own personal world, maybe your marriage and your family. Not to return to what you prior to COVID, but what an opportunity to go through a storm to actually find where you're really at in life. Because, you know, I see my esteemed colleague down here, uh, Pastor Nick and Pastor Stacey. Oops, it's the mass. <laughs> I've just about married him off to another woman. <laughs> Sorry about that. Missed that one. Mars, a bit challenging sometimes. There you are. Thank you very much. Great couple. We've known them for years from Oxford Falls and all the rest of it. But in all of that, you know, I'm asking this question. Uh, Nick, what is a compass used for? To keep your true north. Good, good answer, by the way. You're thinking, I wonder if that's right or not. Is it there to give you direction to where you're going? Well, I mean, I'd like, I want to use a compass to go, okay, I want to know that I, I'm heading in the right direction, right? That's why it's there. Is it? That was a firm, solid yes. I love that. See, I'm not sure if you're smiling with me or not behind those masks, but anyway, that's okay. I, I'm feeling in the spirit you're with me. But a compass is originally designed is to assist you in locating where you're at. 
because you can't go anywhere unless you know where you are at. And I think COVID has been a reset to go, this is where you are at. Not to lose sight of where you're going, but to get a real correct read. Your compass will, and today if they, anyone wants to find you, your phone will help you. It'll say, oh, you're about there. It'll go H32.1 and L and all those other things. It'll give you a, a numerical working or outworking of position of where you're at. And then it can guide you correctly. The worst thing is to have poor reception. And when you put on, I need to go here, and you've got poor reception, guess what? You're all over the shop. Has anyone experienced that? But in that moment, and I think in life, we need these moments to go, COVID was challenging in all areas, but not to see it is that it was our downfall or pulling us apart or there to um, destroy us or injure us or affect us in a way, but seeing it that it was a reset opportunity by God to help us to move forward more effectively. Amen. So in all of that, you know, as I said, like I, I've referred this, you know, like COVID was the perfect storm. It was the perfect storm brewing that again, globally, that the whole world looked at things and there's wars and things we know all that and back into that, not wars or moments of conflict, uh, national conflict in various countries. But COVID was like the perfect storm. And I always love the, the illustration is that when does Jesus strut his stuff and do his best stuff in a storm. When he was out there, he saw the boys in trouble on the lake. He saw them out in the boat and he saw them in the lake. What does he do? He's, he decides to walk to them on water. It's in the Bible. You, you can look at where that is yourself. But he walks to them. It's a challenging moment, but it's a redefining moment for Peter and even the boys. They go, surely who is this? It's a moment to go, wow, who is this guy? They've been with him all the time. But when he does something incredible, he does it during a time which demonstrates his strength and who he is. He's walking on water. When they're going through a storm, Jesus is having a nap in the back of the boat. He said, oh, I'll go this. <sighs> there wasn't a storm when he went to sleep because they wouldn't have wanted him to sleep if there was a storm. It would have been calm. But as he was sleeping at the back of the boat, read it again. It's in Scripture, another one. A storm comes, and when it came on the Sea of Galilee, it came with ferocity, and they were filled with fear. And they said to him, you are sleeping. You know, we will die. Aren't you concerned for us? Jesus wasn't concerned at all. Why? Because in the storm, he does his greatest stuff. He shows who he really is. And without those moments, we don't know where we are, but then we also don't know who he is. And we need to know where we are and who he is at this moment as we move forward. Amen? There's, as I said, this great story which comes out of Acts 27, 13 to 46. I'm not going to read it. You've got a Bible. You can read it later. And as Bruce and I talk about this as well, I think Sunday is not a place where... I feed you. I should be giving you enough information to create interest for you to go, I want to check out whether that bald bloke who says he looks younger than certain other people <laughs> is really on the money or not. 
You should check it out. You should see if I'm right or not. I'm not here to tell you everything. I'm here to bring an awareness to challenge you to go away. I'm going to check that out myself. That's how we should be presenting the Word of God on a Sunday. We are presenting it that we are stirring and motivating people to get more into the Word of God. A great story. It's Paul's been in Jerusalem. He's, sorry, he's in Jerusalem. He's in Caesarea now. And then the Jews from Jerusalem come up and want to take him back to, to Jerusalem to, to trial him. But really they had a, a plan and a plot to murder him. They had organised. A few men said, we will not drink, we will not eat until his death has been achieved. They were sent to assassinate him. All of these things were going on. Paul's there in Caesarea. And at that moment, as you, as you can read the story yourself, it starts back in Acts 25, even 24, to give you a full picture of what's happening, is that <clears throat> Paul's up there and he is defending himself in front of originally Felix and then Festus and Agrippa, who was then the, the king, basically, of, of Israel, um, of that nation. And he's standing before them making a presentation and... and during this time, he makes a presentation, but we read this in Scripture, and suddenly as we're reading it, we're like, oh, yeah, Paul's up there, and he says, I, I'm a Roman citizen, and he's Jew, but he's a Roman citizen, and he's well, uh, an incredible scholar and, and all the rest of it, but, you know, I want to, go I want to stand before Rome, uh, before Caesar, and actually make my case. Two years travels by. Two years. When it starts, before he's even on his way. See, we read scripture and we read it, it's from one day to the next. But two years transpire that Paul in this moment, he's called by God, he's doing something from God, he's out preaching to the Gentiles, he's bringing revelation to people and then suddenly his whole, his whole world is put on hold. Two years. And then he travels through this season, he gets to Rome, eventually gets to Rome, a number of months later, another two years. Incredible. I mean, wouldn't you think that when you've been called by God, you have a purpose to bring such an incredible understanding, to bring an incredible word globally, that why would the Lord hold you up and put you in a category or a period of time where you're under house arrest? You can't do anything. You can't go anywhere. Why? Because if we look at it with our own natural eyes, with our own natural thought and thinking, we would think, what would he would have done? Probably started a fitness program. Probably, you know, would have got his body in good shape two years working out. Probably uh, worked on his, um, his ability to communicate and, and all the rest of it and all of this. During those two seasons, he writes a number of books which are a part of the New Testament today. You see, in every season where it may look like our life's been put on pause or hold, it's probably a great opportunity for something else to be done in your life. Not to lose sight that Paul caught the moment, had the drive, had the vision, but his life put on four years of his life, literally. And in the middle of it, it's about a three-month window that he travels on this journey. But from this journey, and this is my, I guess what I'm saying today, is that what are the anchors that we use to hold us in place in times of challenge? What things do you do? What things have you learnt? What can you do to secure your life? As I said, read the story. Paul, is in, in, he heads out from Caesarea and he travels through a number of different islands. Read it yourself. Travels to a number of islands. But as he goes on this journey from one island to 
to Rome via Malta and the rest of it. He travels and he's in a position where it says, as it starts in verse in chapter 27, it says, and the weather was fine weather, the best weather for sailing. The southern wind was blowing. And the southern wind to a sailor was like, this is sweet. Let's hit the trail. Let's get this boat out in the water because this is the best time to sail. But the thing is, that moment, that story is just such a perfect illustration to us. When you start something, who starts a new adventure in the middle of a storm? Anybody? No. No, you don't like, man, I'm losing everything. I've lost everything. A business has turned upside down. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to start another three. No, you need to consolidate, reposition, re prepare yourself, refocus, then make a decision once you're out. When you get into some clean air. You don't do it in the middle of the storm. You learn to throw down the anchors of your life, which holds you in place that you don't get all bent and twisted, that you stay true to Jesus in your relationship that you're building during this season because he's right there with you. He's right in the same boat with you. And in that moment, you actually recalibrate to reposition and refocus. They head out. And as we know, as they start heading it out, it all goes pear-shaped and the the, not the southern, the winds swing around to the, to the nor'easterly, which were the like hurricane force winds. Every sailor knew that when the northeastern winds blew, we're in trouble, batten down the hatches. Come on, brace yourself. But it was so furious and, uh, and the forceful that it came, as it came that in that moment, again, it caught many people and many ships unaware and so many ships were lost because they were not prepared and they were not fully skilled at sailing during those challenging moments. My question today is that during COVID, you're still here, so obviously you've got through, which is great. But the other part is, how did you get through? And so often we go, oh, I don't know, I just got through by the grace of God. I, I, I love the grace of God, but you know what? What I do love is definitely this. I really like to know how I got through and why I got through when future storms come, I'm really solid on knowing what to do. What anchor should I be using to hold me in place, to hold me in position to get through a storm to move on? The first anchor that is used in this story, read it yourself. You know, I've said that. That's the third time I've said that because I'm encouraging you to read this story. The first order that is used there, the anchor is used, is the anchor of order. It helps us refocus, repurpose and reposition ourselves to really see what's important in our life, to reorder. Anyone watched last year, the beginning of last year, there was a show which I really quite enjoyed, which was called Space Invaders. Anyone see that show? Anyway, it was a great show. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Watch it on YouTube or something like that. But it was the idea that gentleman Peter Walsh and a couple of other people with skills would basically go into people's homes and try to bring order to their world. And there was one couple, young couple, that had eight children. No wonder they had a challenge. So if you've got four, don't have any more. If you've got five, God bless you. If you've got six, now we're praying for you. If you've got eight, now we're on our knees before the Lord intercessing, interceding for you. But eight children and young and she was a psychologist and, and he had a few personal challenges going on. Things were happening. But in that moment, Peter Walsh goes in there and said, we're going to help you. And she said, I just can't see the way forward. And can I tell you, sometimes when we, we have to stop, 
we have to pause to see where we're at and start to clear out the things in our life that we've built around that we can't see the future effectively. This woman had the skill set. She was a psychologist. But because it was so overwhelming, she was in it. People on the outside can always see things in our world a lot clearer than we can when we're in it, correct? And it's important that in the middle of it, you do have people, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but literally the anchor was the anchor of bringing order. And again, Peter Walsh gets in there and says, right, with all the eight kids, it turned it into a great fun little adventure for all the kids. Get all the clothes out and literally walk in the house. You know, couldn't find anything. Now, I know not in this church. There's other churches and other church members, not in this church, but in other churches. You're like, you know, you could go to their house and their house could be chaotic, you know, which is all fine. There's seasons for it. But if you live permanently like that, what is frustrating? You know, come, hey, doll, how are you? Put down the keys. Hey. Now, I'm blessed with my wife. I'm blessed with my wife because we're, we're a little bit different. Like even I'm straightening up the pulpit. I like thing in order. Julie, she's she's a party person. She loves life and all the rest of it. And come home, I could find the keys uh, when you walk in the door. That's where you put your keys or your sunglasses. But I could find those keys or sunglasses anywhere else in the house. They could be anywhere. They, they do have a place where they're easily located. Like when we were moving house, and my son's similar to my wife like this. You know, you can get distracted. Anyone get distracted when you're cleaning your house? Yeah. <sighs> I'd say to Julie, look, just go into one room. Just stay there. But no, no, she, she, she wants to be helpful. She's so good at this, wanting to be helpful. And she goes out and she starts here and she goes over there and she goes to the bathroom, back to the kitchen, back over here, bathroom, around, around the corner, out in the balcony, all of a And then comes home, you know, I don't want to say this because you know this really has repercussions if you say it. What have you done today? That is going to cause some major issues. And if you've ever done that, you know, don't do it again. <laughs> Takes a few times, doesn't it, Dave? Thank you very much. Not to say those things. But we all are different. But in this show, Peter Walsh gets, gets all the stuff, all the kids, and, pull, and so much clothes. They kept buying clothes because they couldn't find clothes. But when they started to declutter, they started to find all the clothes and realised that even clothes that they bought, which were new, had like, wow, that's really nice. They already had that shirt or that dress. You, buy, you just keep amassing because you haven't brought order. And I think even in the season, it is a great opportunity to say, you know what, let's just stop and reorder our life. Let's refocus. Let's repurpose. Let's get back on track. Let's not get like, let's just take some time out. Where am I at? What do I need to do? What do I need to do in my relationship with Jesus? What do I need to do in my relationship with my wife? What do I need? We need to actually bring order. And can I say you bring order to your house before your business? Don't because the house is challenging, go to your business and try to outwork and bring order. Bring order to your house. It says in Timothy, I'm pretty sure, Pastor Bruce, you can correct me if I'm wrong, stand up and call me a heretic if I've done something wrong. But it says, if a man can't look after his own house, how can he look after the house of God? And I think that's just not the leader, that's people in the church. And look, our, our houses, sometimes are challenged. Our relationships, that's a part of life. But COVID was an opportunity to throw down an anchor and say, hold it. It's a storm, but we're not going to lose our position and lose our future because we're getting blown off target because of this. 
because of what I see on TV, because of what I cause. And wasn't it like, oh, turn on the TV. Oh, there it is again. Every 24 hours, COVID, oh, another 10,000, another 20,000. Oh, we're down here, we're up there, across here, another. I mean, constant. And you can get so immersed in that that you lose sight of like, am I here to watch TV all day and know where COVID's at? You could waste two years watching that box. But it was a great opportunity. And you might go, oh, yeah, I was a bit like that. Well, I was a bit like that too, so don't worry. But to me, it's capturing the moment and it's never too late to actually reposition and, again, recalibrate your life to move in the right direction to prepare yourself for the future. Oh, look at that clock. Stay with me. The first anchor you need is the anchor of order. The second thing is the anchor of wise counsel. In verse 21 of that chapter, chapter 27 in Acts, it says, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail to Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Love that. Paul had said it. The conditions look perfect, but he'd already said this prior to the event. And can I tell you, we need in our life people who are around us. Oh, I know it all. Jesus and I got it sorted. Jesus, we got this sorted. There it is. That's what we're doing. Uh, Jesus said, look, I actually use some other people to speak to you because sometimes you don't want to hear what I've got to say. And what I've got to say, you interpret it through your own ears, through your own experience, your own position. And really, that's not what I'm saying. We need people in our life. It's funny why even pastors are put in churches. Oh, I don't need them. We'll just have a whole lot of sheep. I know what a whole lot of sheep do by themselves. Get very lost and stray all over the place and become very vulnerable. But the illustration is simply this. Wise counsel is an important part of your life. Quick story. Remember a young guy in our church many years ago. Great guy. Oh, potential. I had him lined up to be, you know, take over a region of the, all these our connect groups, etc. Had all these things in place. Fantastic. Him and his wife and young family. Anyway, I had, and I was going to ask him about a month or so to say, look, I, I was considering just maybe you coming on staff, being one of our team, one of our pastors. And, uh, but anyway, he rocked up and he said, hey, Greg, can I see you? I said, yeah, sure, mate. Look, he said, yep. And anyway, he, he, he called me and then he pulled up and literally like, can I see you? He's in my office. <laughs> That's good. So I said, oh, yeah, good to see you. I said, yeah, can, have you got a minute? I said, yeah, sure, I've got a minute. Sat down, he said, look, I just, I just want your, your counsel on this. You know, I just want your guidance on this. He said, look, we're, we're feeling in God. There's a possibility of going up the North Coast and, and getting involved in this church and doing this and, and everything and really feeling like it could be God, you know. And, but I just really want to run this by and see what you thought. I said, yeah. I said, okay, not a problem. And uh, he said, yeah, so uh, what do you think? I said, well, pff, let's give it a couple of weeks. Let's pray about it. And let's, let, you know, let me think about it and, and all the rest of it. And let's, let's see what we come up with. He said, oh, no, no, no. Not now. He said, no, 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 now. You know, like, now. What do you think? I said, well, honestly, I couldn't give you a correct. I, I mean, I hear what you say. Sounds right. I haven't really thought it through. I haven't prayed about it. I haven't done anything like that. I said, can you give me? He said, oh, no, no, you don't understand. He said, because we're, we're going. I said, oh, what are you doing? Going up to check it out. He said, oh, no, we're moving. I looked out the window, he had his car, had the trailer filled with stuff. They were going, kids rammed in the back somewhere, couldn't see them with so much stuff. He missed the first point. But in there, it's like incredible. I go, and he said, can you believe it? I said, man. 
I said, you're coming asking for my counsel and wisdom here. It's the right thing to do. But you've already decided. And I said, isn't that sad? The anchor of wise counsel, Paul gave wise counsel before the storm, before all of that. But again, when people want your counsel, read the story. They, what should we do in the middle of the storm? Not that it's ever too late. But can I tell you? It's a wise person goes, I might check this out before I do it. We need good people around us to be that sounding board. Bear with me. I can do it in six seconds. <laughs> Stay with me. I can. Verse 34 to 36. Now I urge you to take some food you need to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from, you, from, you, from his head. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food and were strengthened. I love that. What's that? There's the anchor that starts out of bringing order and refocus to life. There is the anchor which we need to introduce into our, our life of wise counsel. But there's an anchor we forget about. It's the anchor of thankfulness. Thankfulness. He broke bread. He gave thanks to God. Giving thanks to God in a storm? No. Don't you do all that before and at the end if you get through or before it starts? You see, we've created a culture in church which is giving thanks in the good times. But don't realise that thankfulness should be embraced in all circumstances of life. It's the good, the bad and the ugly. Sorry, Bruce, to raise that issue again. The anchor of thankfulness, moving right along. Then there is the anchor of Revelation 23 to 24, verses 23 to 24. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God and, his gracious, and God's graciousness will be given to the lives of all those around you. God has spared, because God has a purpose for your life, he shall spare all the lives of those around you. They weren't all believers. They weren't all followers of Christ. They weren't all of that. But Jesus says, I want to spare all of them. You see, it's important. We're an important part of community, of sparing and helping people in our community because we actually believe and pray for them and believe in them and give back into them all the time. But thankfulness, the point being this, in a time of challenge that you're in, it's not to petition and push through. It's a time to be thankful. And I tell you so often, and I say this, Andrew, you may be watching today, is that irrespective of your circumstances and them in this moment, let thankfulness be an anchor of your soul which will strengthen you, which and when that, even that cloth may be given to Andrew at this time, is that the faith in which we prayed, it doesn't have any magical potions or it is the faith that we applied that something tangible can say, this is a representation of me believing and simply saying, as Jesus did to that woman, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. It is there. But it's in times of challenge we do it and we are simply saying, thank you, Jesus. I don't understand, but thank you. Amen. You are thankful. Revelation. The revelation of the angel when it came. The anchor of revelation is simply this. What scripture do you hang your hat on? What scripture do you go, that's the word, that's the word. Not like I got a word for this, a word for that, a word for this, a word for that. That's great. My scripture, and I'll give it to you. I've said it before. I've said it to you many times, but you've all forgotten because you haven't been listening to Pastor Bruce and his important, importance of you understanding the word of God's important. But we all need a scripture. 
Mine is, comes out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident of this. The good work the Lord started in you, Greg French. I add that bit. It's not in there. But that's the part I add. According to the good work I started in you, I will bring it to completion. Thank you, Jesus, because I'm struggling. I'm going through my challenges. But I'm going to trust you, Lord, that you said that word. That's my anchor, my revelation in which I need to hang my hat. And the final word, and I close with this, is the anchor of community. Verse 31, then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. The house of God, when stuff goes wrong outside, inside, I'm out of here, baby. I'm moving on. That church, this, yeah, I know. You know, we live in church. Hello. I, I look at here. Look, not this church. You're very blessed that you just, it's just such a, Incredibly perfect church, Pastor Bruce. I don't have, have you? It's probably Jono's good looks and M's, you know, brilliant, wise counsel. And, you know, Henley Beach is backing up and supporting. And, and Parkside today is doing their thing. Oh, you know, maybe. No, no, it's because all of us choose to agree, to be in agreement, that there are seasons and times in our life we agree to disagree, but it doesn't mean we abandon ship. Right. We stay in the house of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The anchors to your soul, important. I'm not going to go over them. I usually do about three times because I know you never get it the first time. So go back and watch it or ask someone who were taking notes. I've got all my notes here. But let's ensure that we don't lose our position for our future and our purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to also, <clears throat> Andrew, if you're watching, say that when that, that simple cloth is in your hands, as that woman said, if I just touch his garment by you holding it, let your faith be ignited. We stand with you, Andrew, as you hold that. And let the healing power of Christ flow through your body because according to your faith, let it be done that you shall be restored to completeness of health in Jesus' name. Let's stand together as a church and agree. Let us stand. You might be saying stand. I'm saying agree together. But Jesus, I pray that the power of God is in this moment of agreement that we have had this morning and standing with Andrew, with M, with that family in Jesus' name. Two things, very quickly we close. The first one is, why do I stand up here? Why do I preach the Word of God? Why does Pastor Bruce, Pastor Julie and the team, Pastor John, Pastor M, why do people preach the Word of God here every Sunday from the pulpit? Because we believe the Word of God is a powerful part of strengthening our relationship with Jesus. We also believed in the power of community. But again, we gather for the purpose of what? To simply say, thank you, Jesus. This moment. And I'd like just everyone in the auditorium, just close your eyes. Just to reflect. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus. I don't know. But He knows. He sees every single one of us here today, knows every challenge that we've been through, we are going through and may encounter in the future. He knows that. But the greatest position is simply to have Jesus in your life. Those disciples didn't know the power of having Jesus in the boat with them. But when they acknowledge Him, when they wake Him, then He can do His stuff. So I'm going to ask this question. 
You may have never been to church, never given your life to Jesus this morning. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and say, Greg, that's me. I need to get, I'd love to get connected with Jesus. Well, maybe you haven't for whatever reason. You've stepped away from that relationship. You've been around church. You've maybe been in church, out of church. But you know that that relationship has been a disconnect. I'd love you to say, Jesus, I ask you to step back in my life. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to do something, which is simply to raise your hand, not to me, but to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want to get reconnected again, or I want to get connected for the first time with you in knowing you as my Lord and my Savior. So if that is you here this morning, can you just raise your hand and say, Greg, that's me. I just want to get my life rightfully positioned all this morning. I want to get connected here today to know you as my Lord and Savior. And I know we all come to church, but I just want to make sure every time we preach from the pulpit up here, that this is one thing we will never ignore or forget is that we come, that people's lives are aligned correctly and positioned with Jesus. Anybody at all, I'll close this. But that is the reason and the rationale of why we gather today in Jesus' name today. Amen. I'd love us to stand. The second thing is this, very simply. Close your eyes just one more time. I want to capture the third point of those five anchors. And that is the anchor of thankfulness. For Andrew today, for Emma today, they're going to stand on and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't understand, but thank you that your healing power is flowing through my body. For every single one of us here today and other challenges in our marriage, our families, in our business, in our finances, we are not going to say, Lord, help. We are saying, thank you, Jesus, that everything is in control. Why? Because I reposition myself through thankfulness before you and say, my God Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray for every single person present and absent from this church. In Parkside today, in Henley Beach today, I pray let their lives be positioned perfectly before you, that your name shall be exalted in everything we do as an individual and as a church in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Thank you very much, Pastor Bruce.